Welcome. My name is Amanda, and this is True Crime Psycho Soup. Welcome back. I hope you returned because you subscribed to the podcast. Don't worry, if you haven't yet, I'm not going to hold it against you. But please don't forget to do so. I want you to be the first to know when I publish new episodes. Speaking of which, if you have any cases you'd like to suggest, please send me an email or a direct message on Instagram. Lately, I've been focusing on cases that happen to be really close in proximity to where I live. This one in particular is just a short 25 minutes away. And to be honest with you, the more that I research, the more I'm starting to realize how much crazy really goes on around here. So let's get into it. Thanksgiving in Canada involves family and friends coming together, sharing turkey and all the fixings. Quality time with the ones you care for and love dearly. For Lucas Shortreed and his family, they could never imagine such an outcome. Lucas was born January 23, 1990, and is described as a gentle giant, a happy, outgoing teenager who loved to fish and bond with friends over drinks. Lucas's mother, Judy Moore, states that he was a character with a distinct roaring laugh. The 18-year-old high school senior had just received his diploma the weekend of Thanksgiving when he decided to meet up with his friends for a house party. On October 10th of 2008, Lucas heads to the aforementioned party, approximately 14 kilometers from his home in Fergus, Ontario. As he regularly did, Lucas invited his good friend that he had met in 2003, Jesse Matthews, to join him. It was around 11 o'clock p.m. that Lucas decided to leave the party for unknown reasons. He was visibly upset and just wanted to go home. The second saddest part of this case for me is that friends arranged a ride for Lucas. Lucas's mother also states that she left him cab money, which he never did take with him. Jesse offers Lucas a ride home. However, the upset, inebriated Lucas declines and insists that he walk off his anger and his buzz while proceeding to make the near three-hour trip home on foot. A clear, crisp, moonlit night, with a temperature at around 10 degrees Celsius, Lucas begins his journey on the Wellington Road 17 in Alma toward Highway 6, which would have made up the majority of his journey. Walking along the right side of the road, moving with the direction of extremely scarce traffic, surrounded by sprawling farmland, Lucas would never see what was coming. Minutes after midnight, the 18-year-old was struck from behind on a dark, quiet county road. The hit-and-run would leave Lucas's lifeless body on Wellington Road 17, surrounded by shards of glass and vehicle debris. No one knows if the driver stopped, even for a moment, to check on the teenager. Instead of calling for help, the driver left Lucas to succumb to his injuries. He was found 20 minutes later by a passing motorist who called 911, but sadly it would be too late. Lucas was pronounced dead on the scene. For the last 14 years, police urge that it is certain the driver knew exactly what happened that fateful October night not only by the state that the driver had left Lucas in, but evidence shows that the sheer damage to the vehicle alone would have been significant. Parts of the windshield, the right passenger window, and front right fender were destroyed and left at the scene surrounding Lucas, where the 230-pound teenager was hit and left to succumb to his injuries alone. Due to the date of the crime, 
Police's main theory is that the driver was intoxicated, as it was Thanksgiving weekend, and in addition, it was Kitchener-Waterloo's annual Oktoberfest. This event is the largest beer celebration around, fully equipped with beer tents, as well as amusement rides and activities. Kitchener's Oktoberfest typically draws in thousands of visitors to the area from across Ontario. Forensic investigation of the evidence left at the scene would determine that the probable vehicle involved in Lucas's death was a 1995-1997 white Dodge Neon. Woefully, there would be 8,000 vehicles with the same description registered in the province of Ontario in the year of 2008. Police worked so hard to narrow down the list to find the damaged vehicle or any witnesses that would help them locate clues leading to answers for Lucas and his family. Police canvassed the area from house to house, searching a radius of over 160 kilometers from Wellington County in search of the car. They determined the car would have sustained too much damage to make it very far from the scene after the fact, and that this driver is, or was, likely local. Two massive billboards were erected, and numerous posters appear around the county. Gerald Shortreed, Lucas's grandfather, arranges to have a trailer, or a semi for my American friends, that was driven around the province owned by Armstrong Trucking and Arthur. It was plastered with the 18-year-old's face, along with bold text offering a $50,000 reward for information. The same year Lucas went missing, police staged a reenactment in an attempt to stir the conscience of the perpetrator or anyone out there who may have known what happened. But as days passed, it was becoming more increasingly obvious that whoever committed this crime has been doing everything in their power to hide what they have done. Repair shops in the search area have no record of work orders for a car matching the make, model, and damage description. The family pleaded with the public in a statement, urging that the person responsible turn themselves in before they are caught. Quote, You've done enough for your family and mine. You are going to get caught one way or another. End quote. The Wellington OPP, or Ontario Provincial Police, add, quote, This will haunt you for the rest of your life. You need to know that we will not give up on our quest to find the person responsible for this death. End quote. Although these words seemingly run hollow. Over the next 14 quiet years, police would follow up on just over 100 tips from the public. Several hundred vehicles were examined trying to locate the suspect vehicle and to determine who the driver was. As the family were left to mourn the loss of their son, brother, and grandson, whoever hit and killed Lucas seemingly made the decision to move on with their own life, not paying any mind to how the family had been left in shambles, with no answers as to who would have done something like this to Lucas. That is until a breakthrough is made in Lucas's case. On Tuesday, September 18, 2022, midday, Wellington County OPP announced that earlier that morning, officers executed a search warrant at a Mapleton Township address at the corner of Highway 6 and Side Road 21 in Alma, one road north of Wellington Road 17, less than two kilometers away from the massive billboard with Lucas's face on it, and a mere five and a half kilometers from the actual crash site. On this corner property stands two large double-bay garages attached to a dark gray and white-colored home with a white trucking trailer with no wheels sitting on the front lawn. Several older cars are parked on the gravel driveway, including one white neon that seems to match the make and model and age range of the vehicle they've been searching for. 
However, this vehicle doesn't have any visible damage. You can actually see the trailer and the neon quite clearly on Google Maps. After a long 5,094 days, two people at this residence were charged, and a vehicle was recovered from the premises to be processed for evidence. As a result of the investigation, David Alexander Halliburton, aged 55, has been charged with failure to stop at the scene of an accident involving bodily harm or death, as well as obstructing justice. Anastasia Marie Halliburton, aged 53, was the second person arrested and charged. Her charges are accessory after the fact to commit an indictable offense, as well as obstruction of justice. But here's where it gets crazy. During the search of the Side Road 21 home, the media releases photos showing the large stationary trucking trailer with the back hatch doors wide open and a second white Dodge Neon. This Dodge Neon has severe visible damage to its windshield, now sitting on the gravel driveway, which appears to have been hidden inside of the trailer. There's now a publication ban in place as the perpetrators have been released on bail until their next court appearance. I understand that they may not be considered a flight risk as they've stayed put for the past 14 years. However, let it be known that David owns a freight trucking company. Of course, there is wide speculation, as there always is during a publication ban. Some theorize that the second neon was purchased right after the crime, as to not provoke questions as to why their original neon was no longer being driven. Some accuse that David swapped VINs on the two vehicles, so if questions ever were asked about his neon, he would have a safe answer. Additionally, during my research, I came across a comment that an apparent former employee of Anastasia's cleaning company actually used to drive the replica vehicle for work travel six months to a year after the crime. To be honest, it's not a surprise to me at all that David didn't dispose of or fix the neon over the past 14 years. There was far too much media coverage on this case for someone to not take notice of such a disposal or repair. In turn, they selfishly hid the weapon right under investigators' noses in a trailer on their front lawn. It absolutely baffles me that the guilt alone of regularly seeing Lucas's face on the billboard less than two kilometers away didn't prompt David to turn himself into authorities or at the very least flee Wellington County. On September 28, 2022, just 10 days after we learn of the arrests, Lucas's family extends an open invitation to the entire community to attend a gathering at Graham Giddy Funeral Home in Fergus for Lucas on Thanksgiving Day so that they can express their thanks in person. Roughly 300 people attend, and on Lucas's Facebook memorial page, his sister Janine sends out a thanks to everyone who visited and sent their love from afar. She states that the support from their community meant the absolute world to their family. When asked what kept officers motivated when so much time had passed and very limited leads were available, Scott Lawson, the lead investigator on the case, says, and I quote, This is the kind of case that you work, and you work, and you work. You don't close the book on it. End quote. Cases like Lucas's, as tragic as they are, give me a small amount of hope for closure on other open cases where we've seen large amounts of time pass by without any answers. Also, I can't imagine the guilt that his friends may be experiencing for potentially feeling like they could have prevented Lucas from walking home that night. But if you happen to be listening today, please know this is not your fault. This is the fault of a driver who seems to have absolutely zero conscience. 
I hope Lucas's story gives the same hope to other families out there also waiting and searching for answers, like our previously covered 13-year-long open case, for example, of Sonia Varashin. The case against this couple had been pushed to December 6 of 2022. However, no additional information is yet to be released. David and Anastasia were not present at their latest court appearance in October, but their cases were heard by their lawyers. Tips are still being taken, and you could be awarded up to $2,000 for information. If you think you know something that could be helpful to the investigation, you can call Crime Stoppers anonymously at 1-800-222-TIPS or 1-800-222-8477. You can also submit an anonymous tip on their website. This is still a breaking story, and I'll be closely watching for any new information on this case. I will be recording an update for all of you when more news becomes available, so don't forget to subscribe so you're notified when new episodes and updates are published. Before I wrap up, I'd like to share a post amongst the hundreds posted on Lucas's memorial page. This one in particular is written by Lucas's mom, Judy. She writes, quote, Lucas would never have wanted to cause such great sadness. So we have to hope that there was a good reason for losing him and that he is in a better place and that someday we may know and understand what the reason is. But for now, we have to be happy with the memories we share. I remember when Lucas was about two and a half years old, I was cutting the lawn when I thought he was having an afternoon nap. When I walked into the house, Lucas was sitting on the kitchen floor with the fridge door open wide behind him. On the floor in front of him was a loaf of bread that he had climbed up on the counter to get from the cupboard, and the cheese was jar and a butter knife in his hand, ready to make a sandwich. Even at that age, he liked to eat. This memory always puts a smile on my face every time I think of it. End quote. If you have a case suggestion, constructive feedback for me, or you just simply want to say hi, you can email me at contactpsychosoup at gmail.com. Feel free to join me on my social media pages where you can find images and updated articles relating to my episodes, and join in on the conversation pertaining to the cases. You can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash psychosoup, on Instagram at podcast psychosoup, and I've recently joined the TikTok train and you can find me there at psychosoup podcast. Thanks for listening to Psycho Soup. And remember, it's always a good time to listen to some true crime.